Welcome to another episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we will be talking about transitioning to a new role. Last episode, I mentioned I have recently moved into a new role at Netflix, and I thought it was a great time to actually have a conversation of what that's like to move into a new role. And to join us on the conversation, we have two special guests, Tara Ellis and Jared Jordan, who also have recently transitioned into new roles. Tara and Jared and I were actually managers on the same team at Netflix before we took on new roles. So Jared and Tara, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Uh, I'm Jared Jordan. I am the director of engineering at YouTube for sports and a la carte. And my favorite beverage is uh, gin and tonic with a splash of lemonade. I just, I just don't understand the lemonade. Me neither. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna have to try this now. I got to try it before I stop talking all this ish. Thunderbird and Kool Aid or Boons and Sprite. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Okay. Um, so my name is Tara Ellis. I'm an engineering manager at Netflix, uh, working in animation. And my favorite beverage is pretty much anything with bourbon. But if I had to choose, I would say I would say an old fashioned. Right on. All right. Well, let's also go around and give introduction of today's panelists. Mars, you want to start it off? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Mars Julian. I'm a senior software engineer in the Bay Area, and all thoughts are my own. And also have a little splash of lemonade in them, apparently. So. <laughs> Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Change. Change. If we say the word change, change, duh, anything along those lines, we will all take a drink. Change. Change. Cheers. <laughs> So as, as we jump in, I'm curious for all of you, I mean, not just like I mentioned, Jared, Tara, and I have recently moved roles, but we've all done that at some time or another. And I'm curious for all of you, what is the signals that you start to think about, hey, I need to find a new role? Like what drives you to go find that new role? For me, it, it has to do with uh, me thinking about growth. Uh, I think when I feel like I can come to work do my gig and uh, I'm not really learning or I'm just not excited about what I'm doing, then it's, I begin to think about what's next. And obviously you, you, you know, you try to look internally, internal to what your current uh, company is and see and have conversations with your manager. Um, and hopefully that will lead to, you know, new opportunities or new growth areas. But that's how I kind of approach the situation. Jared, do you think there's ever fear in like bringing that up with your manager? Like there shouldn't be, but would that be something that you should not do? Absolutely. Uh, for me, there's always a fear, right? I mean, uh, you know, your manager could also have an allergic reaction to that. Uh, uh, but I think over time, I think that's, you know, that's a good manager's role. And hopefully all of you out there have great managers that are looking and able to connect opportunities and say, hey, uh, this this is the opportunity that we've been discussing. And that's also the key. It shouldn't be, you know, um, you know, a surprise, like the first day you say like, Hey, I'm ready to go. Like find me something today. Hopefully it's like over the course of a couple of conversations over the course of time, it's like, 
as I'm winding down this last project, I'd like to try something new. And so that would be um, an opportunity or I'm looking at a new technology staff or I want a new challenge or, or something uh, different because you might have been doing this for uh, such a long time. And so hopefully it's not that shock of like, I, I want a completely new role uh, as opposed to, you know, I just want a new opportunity that allow me to grow my skill set. I mean, maybe it is a new role. Absolutely. Like sometimes it may may mean moving to another team, but I think being open and honest about that ahead of time can be really helpful because maybe maybe your manager is really great and can help you find that next role or maybe find it in the team to move you to another project or area. But maybe it is like, hey, there's there's a role opening up a couple months from now in another team that you'd be perfect for. I, I think that's a good idea. I just know sometimes people are always worried to say that to their manager and feel like it shouldn't be a concern. But I know I know that sometimes, yeah, some managers may feel allergic to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an interesting point, like, because I think Jared's um, point is very positive and that's like a, a great reason to change. Oh, cheers. Uh, change cheers. teams. To Ryan's point about like if your manager is having sort of those knee-jerk reactions to your growth, like that's another reason that I have in the past looked for new opportunities is sometimes when the dynamics or the politics of the team can get in the way of like personal growth and also just like getting your work done. No matter how interesting the company, like the people really matter too. And so not to go low when Jared went high, but it, it does remind me how important it is to like have those good relationships with people on your team and at your company. I mean, Mars, I'll double down on that is, yeah, if your manager is no good, like that can be a really big pain point for you. It doesn't matter how great the work is or how great your team is. If your manager's not good, it's really, really tough. And so I understand that. I think that that's a fair point. And if you have a really bad manager, you should probably do something about it, whether it is like Letting somebody know whether it's HR or giving your manager feedback, but if it's if it's not changing, like you got to get out. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to both of your points. It's a um, it's a fantastic interview question when you're looking at new roles to talk about, you know, to ask specifically about growth and how they manage growth, and if it's you know. Um, there is an art to asking if you can you can move move around the company without making it seem like you 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 just want to get in there and leave. But but I do think right before you take that job is a good time time to vet that. So I was just gonna add those two cents in. And it really actually does come all the way back to growth in the long run, though, because you know if if it's about growth and you're not growing because you don't have the challenges, or if you're not growing because the dynamic is not great, you know, in the long run, it really is sort of like that that long term career trajectory. I like what Jared said too, is like the not being challenged or being passionate about certain things too, is that eventually that happens. Like you've maybe you've mastered a space. Like you're like, I feel like I know the code base really well. I know how everything works. We're doing the same type of work day in, day out. I'm good at it. And it's like, I need something new and challenging. That's often been for me why I've looked for new roles is I'm like, I need a new challenge and that's it. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's like, I love what I'm doing, but it's just like, I need something new to, to challenge myself. And so that's been sometimes where I've often found myself being like, I need to look for a new role. It's important to understand yourself when you're talking about challenges. Uh, I think it's easy to work somewhere for a year, which is usually about the time it takes to actually understand what's going on at any company. Uh, and then you look around, you're like, oh, I'm not challenged anymore. Or 
it could be that the challenges you're presented with are not something you feel comfortable taking on, which is why people frequently move. So like a year in, two years in, it's like, cool, I'm now top dog at this company. I'm the, the boss, senior software engineer. But to push beyond that requires people management or a deeper dive in technology or managing tasks and things like that, which is often not where someone, people may want to go. So they kind of bail. And I've actually seen that a lot. Uh, it's that perpetual question, why aren't there more senior software engineers? Because it should just be a function of time, right? We've been doing this a long time. Only, I think, 10% of people are senior software engineers or qualify as senior software engineers. It should be a lot higher than that. But it's not because people bail. They they stop growing because it's just it's too challenging. So it, it's I, I really like the point of like, oh, you need to find a challenge, things like that. But it's important to understand it's not just shifting roles sometimes. Sometimes you have to find where the challenge is. And it may be something that it, it's really uncomfortable for you. I think the, the other way of putting challenge I think for me is uh, boredom I'm bored right <laughs> more so than like um, um, and that that for me generally speaking is easier to identify if that makes sense um, and it has to be boredom over time right it's not like the natural ebb and flow of jobs where sometimes things you're working on isn't that interesting right but if it's had happened enough and I've scooted around and I've tried to figure out okay how do I become less bored and I haven't been able to, then that's when I would start having those conversations. But I guess the reason I, I tend to like that emotion over challenge per se is that um, there are many things, maybe this actually plays into what you're saying, Jim, that challenge me that I don't want to do. <laughs> right? like, like I don't, well, for a long time, I didn't want to do public speaking, right? Like I don't have a problem with it now. But for a long time, I just was like, this is not a thing I'm interested in doing. And I'm being pushed into this thing so I can grow. <laughs> and I'm just like, but this isn't a skill I want to grow, right? And um, I mean, like I said, eventually in that in that regard, I changed my mind. But but um, but yeah, it is a balance between Cheers. I'm bored. Oh, ah, I miss it. I'm bored. Um, I'm not growing. And I w- would like to do something more more just different yeah I, I like what you're saying there Tara about um, looking inwardly first and and Jim too like looking for those challenges inwardly first because and bringing those with your your leader or your manager and having that conversation of like this is where I'd like to go and I've already done some due diligence myself like sometimes it's hard when somebody says like I'm bored and you're just like oh okay like right like yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> alright cool uh, how do I unbore you? Like, I don't, that's not even a word, but I've got, that's the only thing I know what to do, uh, right? So then, hopefully, it's and it's not a surprise. So it, you know, it's like, hey, I've done these these kind of ex- have had these kind of experiences, and these are the and I've looked around, and that thing right there seems uh, like a great opportunity. Uh, you know, I've often tried to poke at things uh, in my career with my mentor, like that looks cool. Like, can I go do that? Uh, and then uh, see what the reaction is. That's been like super helpful because sometimes you get a, a unexpected response like, not this, but that is that could be the next thing. I mean, it's like you don't know until you ask, right? Like, right. what's the worst thing that can happen is if you don't ask. Like, nobody knows. So I think that is good, Jared. Bringing that up is really good. And I love, Terry, your point, too, because I kind of remember when you didn't want to do public speaking and we're like, nope, nope, don't want to do that. <laughs> and I think that that's... I think that's okay too is like growth doesn't mean necessarily 
that you want be challenged in some brand new area. Like if you'd never done that before and you're like, oh, well, go do this, Tara. That's like a new skill set. It could also be just challenging yourself what you're great at. Like, how do you get better at something? You know, maybe it's like even as engineers, how do you do that at scale? How do you do something more broadly? And and that that can be enough there too. That's even something I looked at when I was going for a new role was trying to find something where I could take my strengths and challenge them even more to like grow into them and, and do it at a broader scale. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's funny because it's interesting because I think um, like now I'm kind of stuck on this. Um, I think it's kind of there's like these these two sides, right? There's the one side where like growing in the ways that you want to grow, right? And sometimes it's growing in the ways that you need to grow, whether you want to grow mm. or not. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like, like if you're trying to get to whatever that next level is, let's say if you're trying to get to a senior software engineer, but you don't ever want to design or architect something, right? Like that's that that would be a hard thing to achieve, right? Without <laughs> actually growing that skill set, right? And so like being able to kind of recognize that difference. And I think for me with the public speaking thing, I think initially, I don't know that I saw the value in it, like at that stage, right? I'm not talking like I facilitate meetings, I run so like I, I speak in front of small groups all the time, right? <laughs> but the ability to, to talk in front of like an, an audience and I think over time though I realized, hey, actually I think this would help me have more confidence in other things if I were if I could get comfortable with this. And then when I started to kind of really understand the value of what it, you know, could could work and flesh out other areas. Then that's when I was like, all right, let me try to like commit to doing this. And it's awful and really hard and scary, but you know, it's pretty cool. I, I kind of got, I mean, I still, I still hate it, but at least I like <laughs> I begrudgingly respect it. Like Jim's the master, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to hard like to compare yourself. It's very hard <laughs> to compare yourself to Jim. That is very, you know, that's a fool's errand right there. It's a, it's a uh, unique skill set that I that I have. But you know what I'm bad at? That uh, you are good at, Sarah? Writing docs. I am terrible. It takes me so long to write a doc. And I was, I'm the exact opposite or same as you for public speaking, but for writing docs. I was just like, I don't see the value in this. I can explain this to people much faster than I can write a doc. And that's what I'm good at. So I want to do that. But it's the same thing. I'm like, no, there. this is a skill that I need to learn because I can't scale myself to explain it to every single person. If I'm ever going to move past senior software engineer, I have to be good at writing documents because that's what C-levels and directors and all that consume. So, yeah, same. I really like I really like the points being made today. It's just like change, growth. I like the point about boredom and the boredom over time change. Cheers. And it's Cheers. it's boredom over time that should determine it, not that individual, like, I'm bored for a week or two. Yeah. Maybe I should yeah. move on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Google's a Colin. Well, let me just say hi to them real quick. I've been bored for a week. Go take vacation yeah. and then yeah, <laughs> take a break. <laughs> Which also, Jem, I love that Jem brought up the docs part because I know I'm so guilty for being like, Jem, you should put that in a doc, socialize it, <laughs> get feedback. You know, it's a great idea. He's probably heard that from me like a million times. And it's like, I've definitely pushed you that. I hate writing docs. It's so, it's so tedious to me. I'm like, ah, uh, we're... I got, some, I got some tips for you, Jim. I can, I'll share with you offline some things that has made it a little easier for me to do. Deal. I also, on the topic of docs, I saw maybe like, it's a fascinating tweet, which is like, if you're going for um, 
quantity of or like our speed of work then meetings are the way to go but if you're going for quality of work then doc writing is actually the way to go mm. um just for to put that out there <laughs> i like that no yeah that is slides fall in the middle because I'm, I'm great at slides. <laughs> if you can expand them later then yeah <laughs> slides the dumb docs <laughs> the jocks docs <laughs> I'm surprised, though. I would have thought, like, getting an idea in a doc would have been faster sometimes rather than having doing meetings on meetings on meetings. Like, sometimes I feel like meetings aren't as effective versus, like, putting your idea in a doc. You can literally get that out there and and get feedback on it really quickly. I would have thought that that was faster. Also quality, though. So maybe it's just I don't like meetings that much. I don't know. I definitely think meetings are faster. I mean, I think. It's just so much easier. If you have if you have a strong facility, I guess, with verbal communication, it's just way quicker to be like, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what success looks like, go. Right? Yeah. Versus like, because I think when you sit down to start writing, and this is this is one of my tricks, Jim, that I'll, I'll, I'll share with you for free on here. For free? Um, oh. <laughs> I'm a verbal processor. And so when I sit down to write, a lot of times it's, re- it's really hard for me to, to get all of my thoughts together because I'm used to speaking them. So if I have something really complex to work out, like I will go talk to someone. Like I will sit for, for like hours with Cal and I'll just talk through the whole thing. And like after like an hour or so, I'll be like, okay, I know exactly what I want to write. Like I have like the outline, like I, I have everything kind of sorted out and then it's just literally putting it on paper. But the structure like it's hard for me to do on a blank piece of paper. It's, I really do have to kind of verbalize that. Hmm. No, I hear you on that. I always have to like jot a bunch of mess down or like you said, talk it through. But yeah, that that's a really good point is it doesn't just flush out immediately when I sit down to the computer. So this is coming back to the topic, uh, <laughs> as we are notorious to do. I, I think uh, Mars, your, your quote really ties in about like, if you want it done fast, have a meeting, if you want to have more impact, write a doc. And I, one of the signals that I use when I decide to change a job is, am I having the impact that I want? Like, am I am I doing work that is fulfilling to me? Like, yes, no. And, and on top of the impact, am I being valued for the impact that I'm giving the company? And a lot of times I, I use value as a, uh, well, not necessarily a one-to-one comparison, but Salaries often or compensations are often a measure of value, how much the company values. If you can leave and get a hundred thousand at another company, well then your current company doesn't value you enough. Like it's it's pretty cut and dry to me. But it's not always money, it's always sometimes it's just like, hey, the director came down and said, Hey, good job, Jim. That that work on a project. That's in that's super valuable too. And I, I feel like it's a lesson that leaders still don't get. Like the power of just a compliment could really make people feel valued and keep them out of job a little bit longer. Uh, it's Pos- positive reinforcement, Jem. It, it is, it goes a long way. Yeah. But I, I mean, I will admit, I definitely am a big fan of it. But at the same time is if you know you're a hundred K undervalued, it, you still feel undervalued, right? Like I, I do think money plays a part in it. And I think that's completely fine to say it too, is that like you want to be, feeling like you're valued for the contributions you make. And a lot of that is, you know, comes with, yeah, positive reinforcement. That goes actually a fair amount, but money. And then also title too, right? Like, and, and or, or your impact and the things that you're given and growing from. So I think like growth, money, 
And yeah, I like the positive impact, like, or the positive feedback. I think that goes a long way. It's interesting about title because I've worked in so many flat organizations Hmm. that I think the only, there's only one time I think I cared about title. And that was at my last company, um, because there were, there were just, what was very hierarchical. There were just so many levels, but I was so clearly doing the work of a staff engineer and the fact that I was still a senior engineer was just frankly just offensive to me and so I fought really hard for that because I was just like you're getting all this extra for free but you don't want to you don't want to give me (laughs) the title for what I'm actually doing so but that's that that was probably the only time that I that I really did it I was like no this is insulting now (laughs) you know all right but "Eh, if you just got the title but no salary increase well, here's the problem. I had the opposite. I got the money, but no title. Ah, huh. okay. But they were like, they were well compensating me. I was in like the top 4% at my level of being paid like across the whole company. But I was like, it's the principal. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> fair. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> like, I, you, you're, I'm doing all of this work and you won't give me this title, but you just want to pay me? Like, the, no. <laughs> you know? I mean, that goes into our like, egos a bit too right like it's like hey i'm doing this work like give me the title like i think that that plays about recognition going back Mm -hmm. to positive reinforcement right like you know i want to give impact i want to drive impact i also want to be seen for the contribution that i'm making right um and i want to also give that to other people like you know i mean it's um I'm very, I'm very pro. I'm very pro positive reinforcement because I think like, how hard is it to just tell someone, hey, thank you for doing this thing that you didn't have to do. I do like what you're touching on about like being valued. And I think that this means a lot to a lot of different people. Uh, and if you, you know, if you have a leader that doesn't like kind of tell you that you're valued, uh, then you start, you know, get the wandering eyes every once in a while. And, you know, we all have friends in, in the industry and we all have friends that we talk to at lunch or at breaks. And so that makes a, that's a big deal. And, you know, it's a reminder off the top of my head. I actually have to scribble it down um, to say like, you know, there's some thank yous that I need to hand out. But even in those thank yous, I, I have to take time uh, because I want to be very specific in my thank yous. Because uh, that passive just saying like, you did a good job. It's like, what? What did, what did I do a good job? Does it, what does that mean? But like in this meeting uh, I like the way you drove this action and it resulted in you know an impact to uh, the project you know those are the ones that stick with folks because they actually saw that you were paying attention yeah I mean value goes a long way I think that's like stems from a lot of this like it's funny I was just thinking about there was literally times where I was telling my manager I do not feel valued and it was clear like I'm not feeling valued for the role that I'm playing and it was like I said that for a good year and nothing changed and so it's like sometimes you can spell that out for people and they're still not getting it and so that's not great either like I love Jared you're already like I'm going to be proactive on that and that's like that's great because like it goes a long way it's not about always about the money or title it's sometimes just being like yeah someone noticed that i did a good job in those instances when you uh don't feel valued like how do you rectify that like how do you rationalize that when you know you're doing a good job and i guess the 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 meta question probably is if the org or the company doesn't value the skill set that you're you think that is important and centering to yourself that you derive value at like how do you think through that that's a great question i think for me in that instance it was like knowing that it was still like i was still what i was doing was still bringing value to the company so it wasn't like 
I'm going to stop doing this. It was like, I'm going to continue doing these things because it is important. But I would look to others to maybe make sure I'm doing the right things. And so I would get feedback from others. Maybe it wasn't, maybe my manager wasn't the best person to get that feedback Mm -hmm. from. So it was like leaning on others in the company to say like, do you think this is still the right thing for the business or, or what the company needs and, and trying to get that, you know, input from others and, and maybe people even saying like, this is amazing. Keep doing that. But unfortunately, sometimes that only goes so far because at the end of the day, your manager's there who decides your pay or your promotion of titles and things like that. So there there becomes a point where you still need your manager to kind of buy into that. But I think you should still be able to look to others to get advice and feedback on that. So I'm, I am curious with all of you working at various companies, Tara and I recently moved to internal roles at Netflix. Jared, you moved to an external, but I'm curious, like for everyone is that an easy thing to do internal, external? Like I've done both obviously, but I think this is the first time I've ever done it internally. And, you know, I'd love to hear everyone's experiences, you know, external versus internal moves. I don't think I realized that. So this is the first time you've worked for a company where you, you just, you, is it just, yeah, I, is it, is it because, is it the size? Maybe it's the size. I think the size makes a difference where bigger companies, you have more opportunity for moving. When I was at Evernote, I, went from like a lead front end engineer to a manager but that that wasn't really yes that was a role change and all that but it wasn't like I changed teams I um it was just literally like thrown into it i don't think i've actually like shifted to another org or team at another company it's usually i've gone to an external company you you bring up a good point now that now that i'm thinking about it i'm like have i ever changed internally it's like no i've always switched jobs and I feel like if you pulled most tech workers, they'd probably say they've always switched jobs. So does that like illuminate there is a problem in Silicon Valley where we don't tend to promote internally enough or push internal transfers? I think it depends on the on the on the company. I mean, you know, I I've moved jobs. You know, I spent seven years at Amazon and I've had people ask me, how could you possibly have spent seven years there? And I'm like, I wasn't on the same team. I was on like four different teams in that time frame, right? But it's a big company. So it was very easy to move orgs and be doing something. Like I was working in a different company. I moved roles at teams at Disney and I moved teams at Netflix, right? Um, and I've also left companies clearly, right? But my general my general bias if is I... I if it's a big enough company, then I want to know that I have the ability to move around and kind of explore what it, everything that it has to offer. Because even if the culture is mostly the same, um, well, I mean, I think Amazon actually is completely different. Like depending on where you work, it's a completely different experience, right? But 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 you have that. Um, when I've left, generally when I've left companies first without moving, it's because there just wasn't an option really to do that. So I don't know. I, I guess I, I think if I, I don't know, I, I guess I feel like it's more about size than than promotion. I would agree. I mean, I, I moved companies. I mostly I think every company that I've had, I've moved internally uh, before I moved externally, and it was mostly the luck that they had other roles or 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 they asked for other opportunities. And I think um, it and to be real, it's always easier to move internally, like the inertia. Uh, like you don't have to go to a recruiter. You can go talk to the hiring manager directly. You know all of these things. You can ask your friends or mentors or partners or sponsors. Like, are there opportunities around? 
uh, and uh, there, you already come with a, a known set of credibility that's greater than your LinkedIn uh, internally. And so uh, I generally try to move internally first. I think that's 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 generally the 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 thing that that is exciting, especially if you like the company and the culture. Um, and then uh, there are those rare instances where you're uh, an opportunity is so great that you just have to take it or you're compelled or maybe it's comp. I think the other part of what Jim is saying is I, I don't think it's a myth. I think it's like pe people yes. believe a hundred percent that they will get greater compensation if they even move for the same title uh, to different companies, but they'll get more comp. Right. And so, I think that is a driver and that's a real driver for some folks. I think that's okay. It goes back to value. You know, if you're getting paid more somewhere else, that that is key to value. Yeah, and I, I think people value it that differently. Like financial security for, for a lot of people, they, they say comp, but it's really like, you know, you have a family. And so the quicker you can get financial security, uh, uh, the, the safer you feel and the easier it is to do your job. And then that translates to you doing your best work. That was well put. That was, that was really well put. So... We've all decided at some point or another, it's time to move on to, maybe it's an internal role, maybe it's an external role, doesn't matter, you've decided, you're moving. What are the next steps? Like, what do you take? Like, what are some things that could help people when they're planning that next role? You show up to the office in your fanciest fur coat, you flip off your boss and you roll to a burnout in the, in the parking lot, your way out the door. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, that, that's how I do things. I guess people need like more practical Sheer style, yeah. style yeah. all the way. <laughs> I have known people who have who have quit in some pretty fantastic ways, taking their badge off and throwing it at their manager's face while walking out. Oh. I have personally seen that. Not at Netflix, but it has happened. <laughs> That's a really good question. You know, um, this this move, this most recent move, I think is probably the most thoughtful I've ever <laughs> I've ever approached a move. In the sense that there was like a lot of process for me, like to do it. I wasn't just like I'm done, and then I and then I moved jobs, right? Which is actually how it usually is for me. Like I'm someone who's like, I try, like I'm I'm in it, I'm in it, I'm in it, I'm in it. Oh, I'm not right. Like it's not like this weird <laughs> back and forth. And so this was the first time where I felt like, oh, I I have some problems here, and these problems haven't gone away right these problems have been here for at least a year now and to be fully transparent i'm in a pandemic and you know while some people i think the pandemic made them be more like risk averse and i think for me it was more i was more like well if i'm gonna be stuck in my house working on something 10 hours a day i better feel super passionate about it and i and i don't right now you know so that's what really prompted me to really be intentional about it. And so what I ended up doing was I did actually go to my boss and I gave him two messages. One was, I'm not happy. I'm not growing and I'm bored. And I've been in this role for four years, which is like a lot of time, right? So, so it just could be that I'm done. I don't know. I would like to talk with you about that and see if we can't, you know, work out like what could possibly change or can we address some of the stagnation I feel and then on top of that I said and I'm going to look externally and to see what's out there and and so I did do that and we spent like 
two months like talking about it while I was talking to other hiring managers and I was going through like thought exercises and like journaling. What do I want to do? Like I've never done that, right? (laughs) But I'll tell you the interesting thing is that I was really clear with what I wanted. Like, you know, and so the evaluation of the other like four roles I was looking at was like, I could go down a checklist. Does it give me this, 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 and that, right? And so while time consuming, and highly dependent on having a patient manager, <laughs> it was actually really, really useful and really helpful. And it's totally something I think I would do again. Uh, maybe, maybe I wouldn't necessarily tell my manager if I was moving externally, but um, <laughs> but it, but it would be something I would I would spend the time really trying to sit and 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 go through the exercise of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. In hindsight, was all of the journaling. And sitting in a sauna, sweating it out with your <laughs> dreams, uh, did 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 you get what you wanted uh, in the role that you ended up taking? That's an interesting question. So on the one hand, yeah, I do. I mean, I think everything everything that I had outlined that I wanted, I absolutely got. What's interesting though is once I got into the role, and this is no shade to the role, but I realized, oh, as thoughtful as I was, there's still these other things. <laughs> Like I had not anticipated and now I don't have them, right? Like, and so it was like, so that's also been like an interesting, like, huh, maybe it's me. <laughs> you, know, nah, I, like, you know what though, Tara? I think you're always learning. Like you always are learning. Like the next time you'll be like, oh, I need to look for this, this, and this. Like, I feel like every role that I've gone and switched for, sometimes it was literally like, I'm ready to flip the table. I'm out. Like, I'm so mad. I'm out the door. <laughs> Now I'm catching it a little bit earlier and I'm like, oh, I need to be thoughtful about that. But even though I just made a role transition, I'm like, I would do 10 things differently. I'm super pumped on my new role, but there's things that I maybe would have done differently leading up to it. Maybe I would have actually done it sooner. You know, like, so there's always things that I think you learn. So you're being too hard on yourself. I feel bad because I feel like, oh my God, you guys have given me everything I've asked for. What is my problem? (laughs) You know. Problem is, we learn and grow. <laughs> no, that's right. Like I think you you prioritize sometimes what you think, but what is absent, but not uh, think about what you really need. And I've done that so many times when I've taken a role. It's like I I have to have the fifteenth direct report, and you're like, no, actually, that's not what I really need. <laughs> what I need is like a project that's sustainable and uh, makes sense, and not be on projects that are you know stuck in limbo all the time and so like how do you or, like how do you figure that out like right before you're about to take a role um, and so I, I certainly resonates with me what about you mars when you when you when you pieced out 1400 years ago now <laughs> wait what am i taking with me from the previous role or what am i going into the new role <laughs> I, well, I was curious i was curious what like what to ryan's point like what brought about the change like once you once you decided to change like yeah how did you how did you affect it i mean i think what was really nice about netflix is that um and i i recognize that everyone's relationship with their manager is different but i could be very open about what i was missing um, and be very transparent that, you know, looking for the next role or position. Um, I think kind of to your point, Tara, about introspecting, like that's super important. Um, but I also don't necessarily know that I knew what I was looking for 
either. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, I feel like it's very much a trial and error still like, um, and I don't mean that in terms of my career, but just sometimes interviewing or finding the right position to go to next can be very much a trial and error, especially if like you're focusing on what you don't like about your current role, as opposed to what you really need, like to Jared's point. So, um, that it's tough. It's really hard to like make sure you're considering both of those when you're looking at a new position because there's so much going on because you're like, who are these new people I'm going to work with? What is my, what is my compensation going to look like? What's my, like even the smallest things like my commute to like, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's just really hard to keep everything top of mind. It's, it's sometimes the important stuff. Um, falls a little bit by the wayside i mean commute's a factor like you know we talked internally right now of like people moving and like tara going through her lists and being very thoughtful about what are the things that you want to move on commute can be one of those like compensation all these different things your team your manager the work that you're doing but like i think back to early days of before i joined netflix i got reached out from netflix a few times where i was like oh no way i'm doing that commute like i was dead set against doing that commute where I'm like, I'm not doing that. And so that, that was an important factor for me where I was like, no, I don't want to do that commute. And so I think that that is something that can change, you know, to Jared's point of like, you care about like your salary to like, you know, for your family and, and thinking about that. Well, for me, it was like, I don't really want to be stuck in traffic for an hour every single day. So I think those things do matter, but also you kind of learn what to ask and learn about the next role, right? Like you start to do, ask the right questions. Another thing that I've reflected on is, especially when we're in these larger companies where there are options to move internally, I, my advice to people is, even when you're happy in your current role, do a little soul searching and check some other areas. Like you might be interested in something else. It's probably better than when you're running from something. Like you don't want to be running from a role or a manager or anything like that because then you might make rash decisions versus like ah maybe in the future i might be interested in something and i learned a ton about netflix just interviewing with other teams is there times that you do is it okay to run from something you're just like i need oh sure okay yeah i mean if you're unhappy get out like abusive managers get the (laughs) fuck out like do it do it I as had fast the only as you job can. in my life that I never gave notice on. I was I just come I I just come back from Japan, and I took this like sales job. I don't know. I just I needed a job. I was like 22, 23. And I took this sales job, and I was and like the boss was the like the the director like the, he was crazy. Like he just he was like you would watch a movie and you wouldn't believe that this guy existed. And it's <laughs> like I think I was there for like three months. And I remember I was working on some deals and like they, I didn't even wait for the commissions. I just like left them all on, on my desk <laughs> with like a note. <laughs> and I walked out to go in the field and at five o'clock I called and resigned. And the thing is that like, I've never not given a job notice before, but I was like, I didn't feel safe. I was like, I'm not going to resign and have this guy completely abuse me in front of all these no. people. <laughs> like I'm 23. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't even have another job. I just was like, I'm done. Like, this is not, this is awful. So yeah, that's a run from. (laughs) So before we jump into picks, Tara, Jared, myself too included, we moved during a pandemic. It's odd. And Tara, you alluded to some people might be risk averse, but you're like, nope, if I have to be stuck in for 10 hours a day on this job, I want something different. 
I'm curious, what has been maybe unique for each of you moving in a pandemic? I don't regret moving. I think it was the right call, but it has been way harder than I thought it would be. Um, and I think, um, I'm in a, I'm in a particularly, you know, unique situation where I moved to a new org that also is new. So everyone's new, right? So it's not just me. It's like, you know, um, like my director's been working in this space, but now he's like building out this whole new org. Like the designers are new to this space. Like all the engineers I hire, the UI engineers that were hired, all of us are new to this space. So you know, it's always important to kind of have good team bonding and to build that rapport, especially when everyone's new. But then when everyone's new over over Google Meet, it's like it is just it's just awful. So that is not a thing I, I had anticipated. And while I am actually impressed with our output, considering the case, it's been really hard. I think I would definitely do it again, but I would just have clear expectations about like, this is what I can affect. This is what I what I can't. This is what I, I need to like nip in the bud way sooner, right? And then these are just the things that like until we're in a room together, you know, we're operating at eighty five percent, and that's just how it is, and that's okay. Yeah, similar. My team all came together in uh, uh, Corona, and so and they went from three to I think twenty something, and now we're onboarding another twenty people in the next six to nine months Jeez. and so i think is there's a lot of shorthand in onboarding yeah. when you have a mentor right next to you like hey let's just pair program this real quick let me share this with you but right now you know i think that's the struggle and i think it's uh, goes back to what mars kind of said is that if you if you want to scale right you have to be good at documentation uh, you can have a meeting, but then your calendar looks uh, in, in like my calendar. And so I probably should learn to write some docs, right, to help out scale. But uh, that is, I think, the hardest thing because uh, we've taken for granted the, the ability to just meet with somebody, coach them up, and then uh, let them ask questions when needed. And it's probably much easier and more efficient right now to have some really strong uh, documentation and that's focused on, you know, the exact five things that you need to focus on in the first week, the exact three things in the second week, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I think for me, I think what uh, Tara mentioned earlier, I think it just accelerated to, like, my wanting to move. Is like mm. there's some things where you're just like, hey, I need the change. And in some ways, it made it a bit easier. Like, interviewing's kind of easier in some ways where you don't have to go in person. Like if you are interviewing externally, you're literally in your house. So it's, it's just blocking off time on your calendar and, and it makes it a little bit easier. It's still tough. Like, don't get me wrong. Like interviewing is an added stress and like we already have enough stress on us during the pandemic, but it did kind of make interviewing easier just in the fact that like you can be in your job and then five minutes later you're in an interview and then you're back to your job it's not the whole you you know gem mentioned of like wearing the fur coat walking into your office like what are you doing today you dress so nice it's like (laughs) uh interviewing like it's a little bit easier in that sense and and so i think like that kind of can accelerate it in some ways but it's still not easy to a lot of and like the onboarding points that you made too jared it's weird. It's just different. We're all we're all learning how to 
operate in a pandemic. So you guys had an experience I didn't for sure. I didn't interview. I didn't have to. I didn't do any interviews. So I don't know. I've conducted interviews, but I've not been the interviewee in this forum. Um, so you feel like it was mostly the same or it was easier, Ryan, because you were in your house or is that what you're saying? Easier in the sense that normally you were you have to try and schedule those days. Like if you think back years ago and the last time you moved to an external company is you would have had to like probably book off time. You had to make yeah, up yeah, that stupid excuse. You're like, I have a doctor's appointment or, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm just not feeling well. I don't know what it was, but you had to yeah. tell your team that you weren't going to be there that day because we were all in person and, and you had to come up with some reason. You can't just be like, oh, I'm interviewing with another company. That's just like doesn't fly versus like, yeah, you can just block off your calendar. I've, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm doing something else. It's, it's not as big of a deal. So I think there's some benefit to that, but it's still stressful. I feel like Netflix is maybe the only place on the planet where you probably could say, I'm interviewing at another company right now because you <laughs> asked for a damn number. Here you go. <laughs> you still have to be thoughtful about that. You don't want like your your team to panic like oh jam is interviewing today like what are we, we going to do if he's gone and i think that you still have to be thoughtful about that all right well let's uh jump into picks in each episode of the front end happier podcast we love to choose picks of things that we find interesting and would love to share with you i know jem's always got some great valley silicon picks where he loves to share things that are just too expensive that we shouldn't buy but yeah let's start off with picks Mars, what do you have for us? Uh, sure. Okay, so my first pick today is a website slash course, um, like CSS4JS.dev, which is really just like CSS for JavaScript developers. But what I really like about um, this particular course is that it's very hands-on and ex- there's like a lot of um, exercises and um, some of the animations and illustrations are really useful for figuring out how like different layers of the DOM are painted on top of each other. Um, and overall, just like to, to learn like a more intuitive way of styling things. Like we have an intuitive way of, of writing JavaScript. Um, and then the second one, I've plugged it before probably on this show. It's not, uh, dev related, but it is Corona related, which is, um, I really love my masks. They're called happy masks and they're super, super comfortable. Um, I have glasses and I don't have like a fog fogging problem like I do with other masks and also they're N99. So not only are you protecting other people around you, but you're also increasing your own protection. Nice. All right. Jared, what do you have for us? Okay. The quest two, if you have that VR and then you should download the game, the thrill of the fight and it has your boxing. It's so fun. Uh, you can work up a good sweat and work out some aggression. It's really fun. And then the second one is this Nerf gun that's coming out in, uh, I don't know, on the 1st of, of March. It shoots around corners, uh, like the movie The Wanted with Angela Jolie. Yes. I've always wanted to do that. And so I'm going to buy like a couple. And me and my kids have Nerf gun wars all the time. But I'm not going to tell them that I can shoot around corners until they get it. <laughs> I love it. buy a couple. Have Nerf gun fights, lose an eye, and we'll be bent. The next topic will be how I lost an eye playing Nerf gun. <laughs> Wait, or is it his kids that are losing eyes? Yeah, the kids are losing eyes. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> how I became a bad parent. One, two, three. <laughs> That's awesome. I have the high ground. <laughs> 
All right, Tara, how do you follow up on Nerf guns? Sure, I don't know. Um, I'll keep it short. Um, So one music recommendation, uh, this artist that I discovered at the end of last year called Leanne LaHavis. She has a record that she put out uh, last year in 2020, self-titled, and it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, The record itself is just really great, super chill. But also, if you're a Radiohead fan, it has an amazing cover of Weird Fishes, which is, I just think it's really interesting what they do with it. I'm a big fan. And if you're going to cover a song, you got to find a way to make it your own. And I was very impressed uh, with that. Um, And then the next thing is um, a movie called uh, A Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan which I, uh, I I watched it like maybe a week ago. It, I thought it was it was really tense and really great, but it's very it's quite polarizing apparently. I, I have since learned listening or reading some reviews, but it's kind of billed as this me too air kind of feminist revenge movie, but it's not really that at all. So um, I just think if for nothing else, like the cinematography is amazing. The film is super original. It definitely has a point of view, um, and I and I really liked it, um, except for the end. But that's a whole other topic. We'll have to come back on and talk about that. But a promising young woman, definitely see it. Awesome, Jim. What do you have for us, Tara? I, I want to listen to this cover of uh, Weird Fish's uh, "Our Peggy" because th- that is one of the better songs I think to come out of Radiohead in a while. And I don't see how you cover it because like it's so specific. Because you know Tom York has his magic, Seriously. and you just you can't just like I'm make a cover of Radiohead song like it. It, no, they have you're so right. much that goes into a song more than just I don't know, like did, the basic. Did you know I, I played drums in an all-female Radiohead cover band for five years? I did know that because we're <laughs> friends. That's what friends you... do. <laughs> they know facts about each you other. You can do it, but it's hard to make it your own. You gotta hear it, Jim. You gotta hear it. I'm gonna listen to it. I also have a movie pick that uh, similar to the movie Terror describing uh, promising young woman. This one was also marketed poorly. It's marketed as kind of an end of the world disaster apocalypse movie. But really, it's not. Uh, the movie is The Midnight Sky, directed by George Clooney, starring George Clooney and uh, a bunch of other people. But uh, what it is, is it's it's really a story about the importance of family and the people you care about and kind of the perseverance of like how humans, how, how we tri- triumph over things. And that's kind of one of the defining characteristics of humans versus animals is that we are persistent and we will find a way to get through things. And even in the face of disaster even in face of the end of everything we still just go on because that's that's what we do uh i I really enjoy the midnight sky um i don't know if it's for everyone but man it it really comes together in the ending i I thought it was a really powerful movie uh my second pick is my valley silicon pick that is the part of the episode where i pick things that are just too expensive it's because we here mostly jared and tara uh they make too much money for their own good and they buy things and they just perpetuate this industry of things that are marketed only to people that make above six figures. So my pick is the Zen egg. It is a wooden egg for the low price of $60. You can contemplate your life as you hold this egg. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. It doesn't do anything. It's not smart. Like most of the picks I have, it it just, it's a $60 egg. It's made out of wood. It's cool. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I I got nothing for this one. I keep meaning to go look at the video. I keep thinking it's a joke. <laughs> Jim, what kind of wood is it? Uh, you have your choice, Jared. I'm glad you asked. You have a mahogany <laughs> here, which is pretty nice. You have a, a walnut. Uh, I'm sure there are other kinds. Does the price change? The price does not change, which 
makes you question because I know wood is not the same price, but the egg is the same price. So I assume there's a hefty margin in there. Anyways, watch the video on the website because I'm sure I still can't tell if this is a joke or not. Uh, to this day, I still can't tell if this is like serious, but you know, if people are going to buy $60 wooden eggs, yeah, wh- whatever. Uh, that's, that's on you. Uh, the alternative, which I also posted a link in the show notes, is uh, for $6 on Amazon, you can get six of these eggs, which are identical. Uh, they're just, you know, an order of magnitude cheaper. So, you know, it's up to you. If you want to feel better about yourself, get the Zen egg. Uh, that's my valid silicon pick. And my final pick is came out of nowhere. I just happened to see this. It is a freestyle. Well, I'm putting freestyle in air quotes because I don't believe anybody freestyles anymore. But it is a freestyle by Macklemore called Trump's Over. Yes. I like. I know Macklemore isn't everybody's cup, cup of tea, but he is a really good lyricist. Uh, and like it's, a lot of his work is really, really solid. But I, I just love all the points he makes. So he's not necessarily bashing Trump. He is a bit. But he's bashing everybody because it, it, uh, it channels my collective feeling of, I don't know, the zeitgeist of 2021, which is we made it. You know, we made it through. We got the coronavirus vaccine. We got a new president in the White House. It's all good now. And Macklemore calls it like it is. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Half the country still voted for this clear racist and is in favor of uh, a lot of racist policies. Black people are still getting killed by police. Like, none of this has changed. Just because the year turned the corner doesn't mean all of our problems are over and let's get back to what we were doing. And he calls, like, people on the right, people on the left, and because it's it's the same mentality. Uh, it's, it's just really good. Uh, and you can tell he's having fun with it in typical Macklemore style, but he's, like, really has a good impact. So I recommend everybody listen to that. All right. Well, I have two picks. One, I'm so happy that Jared and Tara didn't pick. It's so relevant to this episode. I'm going to give credit to Jared for the one who originally told us about it. But there's a book called The First 90 Days. It's so great when you're planning to move to a new role. It tells you so many great things and how to plan for it. Be very thoughtful when you're ramping up into that new role. It's really leaning towards leaders or managers but it's i think anyone could really learn from this book if you're jumping into a new engineering role it doesn't matter it's really about like learning how what are the right things that you need to ask when you're jumping into that new role i highly recommend listening to it reading it whatever you like it's a great book and then my second pick I feel like Jem's going to have comments for this one, but it's okay. I'm good with that. I'm still going to pick it. It's the uh, Therm Pro meat thermometer. Yes, Jem, it's a smart meat thermometer, which we all know Jem is not a big fan of smart anything. But you know what? This thing is great. It it monitors. I got it as a gift. It monitors four pieces of meat or up to four pieces of meat on your barbecue or smoker or grill, whatever you're doing. And you can set different temperatures that you want to be met and it alerts you on your phone. Most of these thermometers that are smart are Bluetooth. And this one I find from my research has got the best range on it. So that's kind of cool is some of them aren't very far. This one will alert you and you, you could be a little ways away from your grill. So it'll tell you when, when your steak is just the perfect temperature. So I, I've used it a few times. I'm really enjoying it. All right. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Tara and Jared. Thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you. Where can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can always uh, find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. 
On Twitter, I'm at Jared Jordan. On LinkedIn, I'm something crazy, but just search for Jared Jordan and find a beard. And it may be Jim or it may be me. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you can find me um, on Twitter. My uh, handle there is Maverick underscore Mind. And I um, pop in maybe a few times a quarter or so to, to kind of catch up. And then I, and then I go away again. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think, I think I'm, I have to look it up. I think my, I think I use my middle initial on LinkedIn cause there's other Tara Ellis's. So Tara, Tara D Ellis, um, you can find me on there also. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us at frontendhappyhour.com. You can subscribe to us on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, I don't know, find us somewhere. You can also follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Any last words? Wear pants during an interview and make sure there's no reflection at least. <laughs> <laughs>